Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Last week I began preaching a message that I want to finish today. It's called Jesus and the Sacrifice. And uh, man, I am excited about this portion of it this morning. We're talking about the story of Abraham and Isaac. Genesis chapter 22, if you want to go ahead and turn there with me in Scripture. Talking about the story of Abraham and Isaac as God commands Abraham to go and sacrifice his son on the mountains of Moriah. We talked about last week how we just need to learn to just obey God. Why do we make that hard? Why do we make that difficult? When all we really need to do is just simply hear what God says and obey what God says. When He gives us a command, we listen to Him and we obey Him. We trust that He knows what to do and we are following His direction. And so God, help us to just obey. We talked about how we need to partner with God in the process. That speaks of being all in with Him. You know, I think there's a point when all of us have to make a decision whether or not we're going to be all in with God or not. You know, we're not, we're not fence riders. We're not, we're not straddling the fence of indecision. we got to jump in and go all in with God. And that means partnering with Him in the process. He includes us to bless us. And through that, He reveals Himself to us. We also talked about how the process only makes sense a lot of times when we finish. It's when we finish... Man, God's put me on some tracks before that I'm like, God, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? Do you even know what's going on? And then at the end, when I stick with Him, when I'm faithful to the end, what makes it all starts to make sense and it all starts to be revealed what God was really up to all along. I love it when a plan comes together, don't you? Amen. Amen. And our plan with God rarely comes together if we jump ship in the middle of it we got to stick with him to the end. Our story, Abraham, Isaac, Abraham's been given a promise by God. He was chosen by God to be kind of God's beginning of a nation that he was going to build. He says to Abraham, if you'll follow me, if you'll serve me, if you'll walk with me, if you'll go to the land that I'm showing you, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to make your descendants such that they are like the stars in the sky, that they are like the sand on the seashore. He says, you're going to be so blessed and you are going to be the father of nations. I mean, that's in you. And so Abraham begins a journey with God. He starts to walk and then many years go by and he has not had a son yet. A promise that God had given him had not yet come to pass. And so he's waiting and he's, he's waiting and waiting and waiting. And it seems like this is never going to happen in his life. And then finally at the age of 100 years, somebody say 100. That's old. That's old to start a new family. <laughs> hey man, I'm thinking right now I'm 40. 43, fixing to be 43. So that means I'm 42, right? Okay, 42. I don't want to start a family now. I'm about to get these raised. And we ain't starting over. But at 100 years, he starts his family. Finally, God delivers on his problem, promise. His wife, <laughs> maybe that was not his problem. God delivered on his problem. Well, maybe. His wife, Sarah, 90 years old. God help her, yes. So he receives the beginning of God's promise to him. A few years goes by, 
And then God approaches Abraham again with another request of him. And this is where we pick up our story. Looking at verse 2, Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He obeys. He gets up, he gets going, and he does exactly what God calls him to do. He gets up early in the morning, saddles his donkey, takes two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Isaac has to know something isn't right. Isaac has to be aware at this point that something is not meshing. Something is off. Something is a little funny. You know, something doesn't feel exactly right. He's been on many, many, many sacrifices with his father and there's not been a single sacrifice up to this point that looks like this one. Something's not right. Something looks different. Something's weird. Not only that, dad just laid all the wood for this offering on my back. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Dad has a fire. Dad has the knife. But there is no lamb. Something doesn't feel right with this situation. Throughout the story of Abraham, we see him obey, he partners with God, he trusts God. Really through the entirety of this process, Abraham, I think we can agree, is all in with God at this point. After all, throughout his life, he has seen God move. He has seen God work. He has seen God come through time after time after time. He has already trusted God with so much of His life. And even now, He trusts God with everything in this moment. You asked me to do this, God. I'm trusting You. I'm following You. I'm serving You. I believe You. I have seen You do it over and over again. Abraham's ability to trust God is what Scripture contributes to his righteousness. It says in Romans 4, 3, For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Listen church, the more we walk with Him, the more we learn to trust Him. The more we walk with Him, the more we spend time with God, the more we're going to learn how to trust Him. The more we're going to see Him work in our lives. The more we're going to see Him come through time and time again. The more we walk with Him, the more He is revealed to us and we see and understand that He is a good God with good character and He makes good promises that He always fulfills. He never comes up short in our lives. There's people in this room today that we can stand here in the rest of this time that we have together. We can hear testimony after testimony of God's graciousness, God's faithfulness, God's goodness, God's miraculous power working in our lives. And time after time after time, how God showed up when we didn't know what we were going to do, God came through. Can I get a witness with that in the place this morning? 
Is there anybody in this house this morning that says God has come through for me time and time again? When I needed Him, He showed up. When I needed Him, He was there. When I needed Him, He was God to me. The more we walk with Him, the more we learn to trust with Him. And so Abraham not only is trusting God at this point with himself, he's learned to push it beyond himself. He's learned to get it past just my own personal relationship with Jesus. Now now my relationship with God is starting to affect other people. And so he's not only trusting God with himself, he's trusting God with his son. He knew that whatever God led him to do would always turn out for his good. Let me stop there for a minute. Do you know this morning that whatever God leads you to do, it's going to turn out for your good? Listen, you could take it to the bank this morning. That God, if He tells you to do something, it is always going to work out for your good. I'm not suggesting to you for a moment this morning that that good in the end doesn't go through some heartache in the process. I'm not suggesting to you that there's not difficulties and troubles and trials and and struggles along the way. But I am telling you, when you finish the process, what you're going to find at the end of the process every single time is there is a promise that is sure and complete and it is delivered on the goodness of our God. Abraham knows that whatever happens is going to turn out for his good. He even speaks that faith in verse 5. Look at it with me. Genesis chapter 22 verse 5. And Abraham said to his young men. Now now let me stop and just say he already knows what he's been told to do, right? He says take your son, your only son, go to the mountains of Moriah and sacrifice. This, This is later in the scripture. And he says to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we, we will come back to you. What? Didn't you tell me that I was going to sacrifice my son on the altar up there? Yeah, but I know my God. I know how He works. I've seen Him move. I've seen Him operate in my life. And I am confident in this, that whatever He's asking me to do is going to be good. And I can't even begin to fathom good without my son in the future. So I know that if God sent me there, He's going to send us back together. The two of them are coming back together. It says, we will come back to you. Abraham's obeying God and he is partnering with him in the process. And he's seeing it through to the end. Verse 9. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. Thank you. They came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built an altar there. And place the wood in order. Now I want to stop there. and I've I've put an altar here. Gabe, come help me for a second. Let's put it out here where we can see. This is my altar today. And so Abraham goes to the top of the mountain. And he takes some time and he begins to build what will be the altar on which he's going to sacrifice his son. It takes time to build an altar. Don't you know that in the moment that it took him to build the altar, that was the greatest test of his faith in that moment. 
Can you imagine that along the way, I'm sure this is the way I think, so I'm, I'm just thinking that probably Abraham's just like the rest of us, and he's thinking probably along the same lines. We walk up to a little ways on the mountain, and we think, okay, surely God, you're about to say something different. I, I'm being faithful. I'm walking with you. I'm trusting you. I, I'm taking steps toward your promise and what you told me to do. I'm being obedient. And so God, you know, I've made it now to about, you know, 500 feet. I'm thinking that this is a good time for you to change your statement to me and start to make sense of this process. God doesn't say anything. And so he takes a couple more steps up the mountain, a little while longer. Don't know how high these mountains are, but I'm just guessing, you know, any mountain takes a little time to get to the top of. So along the way, I'm sure that felt like forever for Abraham. And he's thinking, I've made it a little bit further. God, okay. Okay, God, now it's time. Say something to me a little further. God still hasn't spoken and finally gets to the top. Now it's time to start executing what God has called him to do. And so he starts to build his altar. I bet that was the most perfect altar that had ever been built in the history of man. I bet I bet he took time to level every board. I bet he took time to place every rock just in the right way. And I bet every moment that he thought he had it done, I bet he took a step back and he thought, you know, God's not speaking yet. Wait, you know what? I think this needs to be straightened up a little bit more. So he fixes it. And over and over again, now God's not speaking. God's not saying anything. Now, that's Abraham. What about our boy Isaac? Dad, I just carried all this wood up here. We still don't have a lamb. We're not going on a hunt for a lamb. You got the fire. You got the knife. None of this is making sense. For some reason, why do I feel like I'm the lamb today? God, please speak. God, please move. God, please make sense of the mess that seems to, about, to, seems to be about to take place. God, make sense of what you're asking me to do. Help me, God, in this moment. Anybody ever been there? Where you're just walking and you're trusting and you're believing and yet God isn't speaking? What God has spoke is the only word you've heard. And you're still walking towards that, waiting on Him to make sense of what's going on. Now, I talked to you about the partnership between God and Abraham. That's clear. God does. God asks Abraham. Abraham responds, does exactly what God's asking him to do. But I want to talk to you about the, 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 the partnership that goes a little deeper and beyond Abraham. Because we look at this passage of Scripture and we get images in our mind. And our images make us think that Isaac is an unwilling partner in this process. That maybe Isaac is someone that doesn't even necessarily even know what's going on. Maybe, maybe not. That throughout this, we're going to see that the partnership goes a lot deeper than just Abraham. Zane, will you come here and help me? I'm Abraham, and this is Isaac. Isn't he a good looking Isaac? He is. April says he looks like his mama. We think about this story. And this is the picture that we get. Abraham, dad, Isaac's son, 
a little boy who really is unwilling and his dad in, in, in the moment that it's time to sacrifice takes his son, whether he's a partner with that or not, binds his hands, wraps him up, takes his body and actually visibly and physically places him on the altar. That's the picture. Is it not? He doesn't want to be here. He doesn't want to be a part of this process. But God has a plan. Now we look at that, and you know what? i got a problem with that picture. A big problem with that picture. Because that makes God out to be some kind of crazy person. It makes God out to be some lunatic father who's commanding us to do things that do not even make sense to us. It's a God who, who asks us to do things that are so contrary to the nature we preach about Him. Does that really seem like our God? And yet we look at this and the world looks at this and the world starts saying things like, man, I wouldn't serve a God who's a sadist. I wouldn't serve a God who doesn't care about people. I wouldn't serve a God who is judgmental and harsh. And That's not my God. And the God of the New Testament is the same God that was in the Old Testament. So if I know who He is now, then I have to know that that's who He was then because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Stand up. Good job. So this is the picture that we have. Little Isaac standing here unwilling, but this is not at all what was going on. It wasn't little Isaac at 11 years old standing there. Go down. It was Isaac... As an adult man. It wasn't that son that we see in our minds. It was this son. And guess what? I'm not manhandling this son. Now listen, I just I just said that because it's good preaching, but the truth is I can take him down if I need to. You know that. Here's what scholars tell us. And if you just do some research yourself, you'll find this to be the truth. Isaac wasn't 11, 10, 11 years old when he went to the top of the mountain with his father. At the low estimate, he was at least 18 years old. Gates 20, 20. I can't keep up with all these ages. He's 20 years old. At the high estimate, some say, loophole says that he was 33 years old. So that means that Abraham was 118 or 133. Now, here's the real picture. Abraham at 118, 133, somewhere in between there, isn't taking this 18-year-old son and manhandling him, binding his hands, throwing him on the altar. No, 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 not at all. What's happening is Isaac's a partner in the process all along. And so he doesn't take him... Isaac offers himself. At the request of his father, and it's time to bind his hand, he lays his hands out there, and and the father gently wraps the son's hands because this is the way you did the sacrifice. And then he doesn't pick him up and stick him on there. No, he lays on the altar. You don't have to get on there. He lays on the altar. (laughs) Climbs up there and lays on there. Go ahead. 
You can take those off down there. (coughs) And so what I'm saying to you, now doesn't that look more like your God that, that He would say, I'm inviting you to be a part of what I'm doing. I'm not making you. I'm not forcing you. I'm not taking your life. I'm asking you to give your life. I'm asking you to lay this down. I'm asking you to trust me and to give me what you have and trust me that I will take it and use it and do something good with it. There was always deeper partnership than just God and Abraham. Isaac knew and Isaac was a part of everything that God was doing all along the way. Isaac wasn't an unwilling party to the process. Instead, Isaac gave. He gave himself to the process. Now at this point, Isaac, no doubt, knows he's a sacrifice. He's not forced on the altar. He climbs on the altar. He lays his own life down. Now, when you think about that, does that sound like anybody you know? And here's the only point I'm going to preach to you this morning. Just one point. This is a one point message. Your sacrifice matters because of His sacrifice. God's, your sacrifice that you make in your life matters because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Isaac is a typology of Jesus who would come. Now let me just lay this out for you. Here's the parallels between Isaac and Jesus. In Genesis 22 and 2, he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. John 19, 16. Then he delivered him to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of the school, which is called Hebrew Golgotha. Verse 8, and Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself the lamb for the burnt offering. But then John says in John 1 29, the next day Jesus saw, or John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Are you getting what I'm preaching this morning? Verse 9, then he came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Luke 23 and 33. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, they had crucified Him there. Luke 23 and 39. Then one of the criminals who hanged blasphemed Him, saying, If you are Christ, save yourself. I love this part right here, and I want to take a moment with that. He bound Himself and laid Himself on the altar. Jesus bound Himself and allowed Himself to be crucified. He says later in Scripture, No man takes my life from it. I willingly give it. I'm glad to lay it down. I'm glad to give it for you. I'm pouring it out for every person that will receive me as Lord and Savior. The last one is this in verse 15. Then the angel Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven and said by myself I have sworn says the Lord because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son your only son Romans 8 31 what shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall we not with him also freely give us everything that we desire it's been said it's been said That Isaac was the mediocre son of a great father. And a mediocre father of a great son. I think not. I think not. 
I'm telling you, he had greatness bred into him. And he had greatness coming out of him. He was willing to sacrifice and become a picture of a Savior to come. John 10, 17 says, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. And so let me bring it home for you today. If you want to find Jesus, we're talking about encountering Him. If you want to find Jesus, you're going to find Him in sacrifice because He is the great sacrifice. Our sacrifice has context and our sacrifice has meaning because of His sacrifice. His sacrifice is what makes sense of your own. It gives meaning to your own. And so when you feel used up and there's nothing left, that's a sacrifice that you're making. And I'm telling you, in it, you're going to find Jesus and He will fill you up again. When you feel like you have lost yourself because you've given yourself to work and to your family and to your church and to everyone else that wants a piece of you, that is sacrifice. And that's where you're going to find Jesus. And that's where He's going to say to you, you're mine, you're valuable, you're important, you're my son, my daughter, you're my treasure. Listen, you're a good dad, you're a good wife, you're a good employee, you're making a difference and you matter to me. When you feel like you're spinning your wheels... And the effort's not counting. It's a sacrifice of faithfulness. And He's in the sacrifice. And it's in that place that you're going to hear Him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Jesus has called us to servanthood and to sacrifice. Why? Because that's where you're going to find Him. He's called us to servanthood. And now don't start getting quiet on me now because I'm talking about sacrifice in this place. Listen, that's where you're going to find Him. There are parts of Jesus that you're never going to discover until you get into a place where you're thinking about somebody else above yourself. There's places where you're not going to discover a relationship with Jesus that gives you life until you figure out how to love somebody else. And give yourself to something else. Yes, it requires sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus was the great sacrifice. When you feel like you're over with and done. That's where you can find Jesus. The least of you. No, I know. I get it. Pastor, when you're talking about encountering Jesus, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to talk about sacrifice. I want to talk about an altar experience. I want to talk about, you know, God hitting me in my car while I'm driving down the road and the Holy Spirit just taking over. And those are good. And that's a part of Jesus we all need to experience. I need that in my life. But I'm talking about another place where you're going to find Him. And that's in serving other people and loving other people. Jesus said things like this. He said, the least is going to be the greatest. He said the leader is going to be the servant. He said, take up your cross and die daily. That sounds sacrificial to me. He's teaching us that where you find Him is in the place of service and sacrifice because He is the servant and He is the sacrifice. And He's leading us to what He is. And He is leading us into who He is. So who He is can become who we are. Romans 12.1 says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. 
What mercies of God? His mercies are new every morning. So how am I a sacrifice? How am I a servant? Because I'm relying on His mercies fresh and new every morning. I need a download every day of God's mercy. I can't do this. I need a download of God's grace every day or I can't do this. That's daily bread. Daily. He says mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. He's not asking any of us to die. He's asking us to live for Him. He's asking us to give our lives to Him. He's asking us to take our everyday, ordinary lives and place it before God as an offering. He says that's your, that's holy. That's acceptable to God. And He says that is also your reasonable service. The expectation is not too high. The expectation is not too great. He said it's just reasonable. Because when you compare your sacrifice to His sacrifice, they're incomparable. They're incomparable. And so it's reasonable for me. God, I give my life to You. I surrender my life to You. So let me help you this morning in the real world. Jesus said it's not who gets their feet washed. That's the greatest. It's the foot washer, right? What's He talking about for us? For us, it's not who says the dishes need to be done. It's who does them. It's not who needs a load of laundry done. It's who does it. It's driving kids to school. It's cooking dinner. It's running the vacuum. It's taking the last sales call so your co-workers can go home. It's locking up after church so people can go to lunch. It's covering the nursery so a mom can be in service and have a break. It's loving first and needing second. We have seen, we have been blessed to see a cultural revolution start to take hold in our church because just a few years ago, and April will be a witness to this, just a few years ago, when we asked someone to serve, we would often hear this, I don't want to. I can't tell you how many times I've been told no. And not just a a nice no, just a point blank no. Nah, I ain't doing that. And so that was what we experienced years ago. But then it started to shift. And we started to hear things like, well, I will if you really need me to. That's good. And we're moving in the right direction. And now we hear things like, Okay, I'll do it. I'm glad to help. I'm glad to be a part. Thank you for asking me. And now we actually have people coming to us and saying, thank you for letting us be a part of your church. Thank you for letting us be involved in the work of the ministry. Thank you for making us a part of what God is doing in this place. That's where we want to be. Because that's where we're going to find Jesus. That's where He's at. People understanding the service is the place that you find Jesus. Sacrifice is the place that you find Jesus. Because we can talk all day about wanting an encounter, but if we never go where He lives, then we're not going to find Him. We can talk all day about mission and purpose, but Jesus isn't in the concept. Jesus is in the activity. He's in our hands when they're outstretched to a person in need. He's in our feet when we take steps to serve one another. He's in our mouth when we speak compassion and life to someone. He's in the effort. He's in the struggle. He's in the process. And He's in every moment where someone else is put ahead of ourselves. It's not about us. It's about Him. Abraham 
didn't force Isaac to sacrifice his life. He volunteered at the request of his father. And the request of the father for all of his children remains the same today. Present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So volunteer to serve the kingdom of God. Find a place where you can put your hand to something that advances God's purpose. Give yourself to His purpose and plan and surrender your life to service. Lauren, would you come? Genesis 22 and 10. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here am I. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Abraham was asked to sacrifice something that was precious to him. Isaac was asked to be the sacrifice. And so today, regardless of which one you are, if you're the person being asked to sacrifice, or you feel like you're the sacrifice yourself, God will provide. His provision, His provision is Himself. He is your portion. You see, Jesus is the ram caught in the thicket. He is the scapegoat, if you will. He is the one that took your place. He's your substitute. He's the one that comes in when you've gone as far as you can go. That's where you find Jesus. And any time we lay ourselves on the altar of sacrifice and service, you can know this for sure that God will never let it go too far. He knows what you can handle. He knows what you can take. He knows what you can bear. And when it comes to the point that you can take no more, that's when Jesus steps in. And He becomes the ram in your circumstance. You want to find Jesus? And you'll find Him in the sacrifice. You'll find Him in the service. So just obey Partner with God in the process. No, it's not going to make any sense until you finish. And know that your sacrifices, whatever you're sacrificing your life towards, whatever you're giving yourself to, it matters and has meaning because of Christ Jesus. He is the one that gives that stuff meaning and context. Stand with me across this place this morning. Give me. God, give meaning to our struggle. God, give definition to the challenges that we're facing, the times we're serving and we feel like we're used up and spent. God, help us to find you in those moments because in those moments, God, we believe that you are our portion, that you give us new life, new mercies, new strength, new grace that keeps us moving forward. We know you're not going to let it go too far. 
That, Lord, when we feel like we have been used up, Lord, it's in that moment that you fill us up again and begin to restore our lives back to a place where we can serve you even more. Help us, God, today. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I feel like I am having to sacrifice too much. I feel like I've been the sacrifice. I feel like my life is just being poured out. And there is a struggle for me. If that's you, would you step forward this morning and let us partner with you and ask God to fill your life up again and to touch you one more time. Would you come? You're here and you say, I feel used up. I feel burnt out. I feel like I'm empty. I feel like I've got nothing left. I feel like I can't go another day. I feel like there's not another moment here for me. I need God to do something in my life right now. If that's you, come on. Come on. Take your steps toward the mountain this morning and let God provide for you. He has a ram for you this morning at this altar. And when we come towards Him, He's going to reveal just how He can provide for your life. Would you come? Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't walk out of this place empty, remaining in struggle. Let God empower you and move in your life this morning and give you some fresh and new mercies today. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? I'm going to ask some of our church folks to come and find someone to pray with in these altars today. Let's get connected with each other and let's let's stand with one another and let's bear this burden with one another today. Would you come? Help us pray. Help us pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place as these are praying for these in the altars, if there's someone here this morning, you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've let stuff get in the way of me and my relationship with God. Or maybe you're here and you've never had a relationship with Jesus. Today, let's start something fresh. Let's start something new. Let's let God begin a new work in your life. He said old things are passed away and all things become new. This is a chance for a fresh start today. And so if you're here, every head bowed, every eyes closed, nobody's looking around, nobody's pointing you out. But if you're here and you say, I need Jesus in my life this morning. I need to make things right with God. I need to take some steps toward Him. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down and signify to me that that, yes, that's me, that's me. There's, there's people in this room today that need their salvation, that need to give their life to Jesus Christ. Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let this moment slip by you. God is here meeting with you. Some of you have felt the presence of God the moment you walked into this room. And that is God tugging at your heart and asking you to come closer to Him. He wants to do it work in you. He wants to change your life. If that's you, would you step out of your seat right now and come to the front and meet with me. I want to pray with you and ask God to change your situation, change your life. Would you step out? Would you take a step this morning and let God be your Lord and Savior? Let Him touch your heart. Let Him heal the hurts of the past. Let Him make things right. Would you come? Come on. Come on. Come on. Everybody has to take that step. It's a step of faith. It's a challenge. There's everything in your mind right now telling you not to do it. You can do it later. It'll be all right down the road. Listen, you don't know what you've got tomorrow. Don't let this moment pass you by. There is no time like right now to give your life to Jesus Christ. Please come. Please come. Please come.
Father, if there's anybody in this room right now that needs you as Lord in their life, God, that hasn't committed their life to you, hasn't agreed to follow you and serve you, God, hasn't asked you to be a part of their heart and invited you in, Lord Jesus, I pray that right now, God, your word says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. God, you're knocking on their door right now and you're asking to come into their life. Lord, I pray that they would open the door to you right now in this moment. Do a work. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's your word to us, God. And so in this moment, I encourage you, if you need Jesus, call out to Him. Ask Him to be your Lord. Ask Him to be your Savior. Ask Him to help you with life. God, help me to walk with you. Help me to serve you. Help me to live for you. Help me to take steps towards you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself